Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Conspiracy Theory Test. I'm Ivan. And I'm Karen and you're very welcome. Thank you yet again for joining us. Welcome to episode 20, take two. And thank you very much for your patience with last week's technical follies. It was uh, it was quite funny. There was there was a there was a fair bit of a lag there. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of oh oh. Are you speaking? Oh, you're either speaking and I can't hear, or there's just dead air. Yeah, and I I'm fully sure that like a woman could have given birth to a child <laughs> in the lag time between our sentences. Probably could have conceived and given birth in that time. <laughs> that's how long it felt (laughs) yeah just jokes landing to dead air it's Uh, nothing worse (laughs) it's made me full sure that i'll never be a comedian yeah (laughs) it was a real ba-dum-bum flop it made me dead sure that i'll never do this without you karen oh thanks man you too (laughs) just racing through my own theory no feedback nothing it was like speaking into a cave I think that was the worst, but there were so many opportunities where I was like, I really want to jump in and say something, but it's going to take me a good 10 minutes to get there. (laughs) Yeah, and there were so many times when uh, you told a whopper and then I had to stifle a laugh because I was like, I'm just going to throw her off her game completely when she's three paragraphs later and she hears, ha ha ha, at nothing. (laughs) At the worst opportunity time. And then they died. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. So normal service is resuming this week. Absolutely. And if you're joining us for the first time, very welcome. Uh, if you're catching up, that's great too. Um, and if this is, a, you know, you're, you're a seasoned listener, it's just great to have you back. Yeah. And um, I hope that you're enjoying the weather. Although by the time this is out, the weather, will, nice weather will probably be gone now in Ireland. Yeah, we'll probably have had three snowstorms between recording and airing. Yeah, I like one of my mates sent me a photo there of a nice pop. She was like, it's it's summer now. It's just summer. It's just yeah. Summer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not accepting any change from now until next October. I'm going to wear shorts, even if I get frostbite in the knees. <laughs> just shorts all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so hit us up, Karen, unless you have any housekeeping, anything left over. We won't dwell too long on the fact that I won the polls last week because I already got to gloat. It's just that you, I, I, I just love that you just humble brag, drop that in yet again. <laughs> twice the pain although as it stands at time of recording our current polls aren't out uh, but Karen is firmly in the lead so if you want to if you really believed my last theory and um, get on there and vote for us or vote for me because apparently I need the win I'm falling behind me <laughs> I, I think you're gonna have a win it's fine <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see how we get on with the one that I have for you this week yeah I can't wait to hear us let's hear what you got Karen Okay, guys, so my sources this week come from uh, wearemitu.com, nationalgeographic.com, peru-explorer.com, and just the conspiracy theory book that I have, which is where I drew my inspiration from. So the reason that I kind of drew inspiration from this is because it's situated in Peru, and here's my humble brag moment, as Ivan already knows, a couple of years ago, I was fortunate enough to travel to Peru, do the Inca Trail, and climb Machu Picchu. Yeah, very good pics. I wonder, would you put up a pic of that on the socials for people? Because some of the pics are stunning. They really, yeah, they really are. It was was a very, very great time in my life. Probably one of the best things I've ever done. Apart from this podcast, obviously. Oh, good. Good save. (laughs) 
even though I'm not winning the polls, please help me. <laughs> so what I want to talk to you about today is the Nazca lines. And no, I am not trying to pronounce NASCAR in a wicked awesome Boston <laughs> accent. <laughs> Well, now I'm disappointed. <laughs> Matt, Matt Damon can have Docky. I'll take the accent. <laughs> it sounds exciting. So, it is pretty exciting for me, and I think you're going to love it for a reason that is wholly implausible, but we'll get to it. So, unsurprisingly, these lines are found in the Nazca Desert, 250 miles south of Lima in Peru. So, they are found, or you can see them on a high plateau on in the Peruvian Andes. And there's loads of different lines. So there's actually thousands of them. So each representing different animals, reptiles, there's some geometric shape and some are just simply straight lines. Okay, so the National Geographic, this is taken directly from them. The lines are found in a region of Peru, just over 200 miles southeast of Lima, near the modern town of Nazca. In total, there are about 800 lines, sorry, 800 straight lines, 300 geometric line figures, and 70 animals and plant designs, also called biomorphs. So some of the straight lines run up to 30 miles, while the biomorphs range from 50 to 1,200 feet in length. So they're as large as the Empire State Building. Jesus. That's isn't that mad? It's inconceivable. Inconceivable. <laughs> what a great film. Um yeah, I, I I kind of I can and I can't believe it. Like having spent time in Peru and just seeing the stuff, the, the way that they build stuff, the way that they created stuff, like it part of it doesn't surprise me at all because they're so genius in how they do things, but also at the same time, insane. <laughs> it's the best combination <laughs> absolutely so thankfully there's no blurred lines because thanks to Robin Thicke he's ruined that for all of us <laughs> yeah he gave us all the cautionary tale around grey area god yeah <laughs> god damn it you misogynist <laughs> they ruined another stole, thing <laughs> and he stole it from Marvin Gaye like how dare you yeah insult to injury there oh. and he looks like someone's dad I know that's not the worst thing he's done, but still. He is someone's dad. That's the oh. worst bit. Oh, that is the worst bit. Him and T.I., someone's dad's ridiculous. Yeah, T.I.'s line in that are very... Oh, okay. <laughs> but they're not... But the important thing is they're not Nazca lines. Hey! There you go. <laughs> so... The funny thing about these lines is that you can only tell what they look like from really high up because... and Which, is, which is in and of itself is quite unusual. The ancient Nazca Indians had had no known methods of flying, and some of these lines are about 1,500 years old, and nobody knows why they were created the way they were. Oh, that's amazing. And yeah, how would you even know you were going in the right direction? See, I don't know, but I get like, I just, this is what's blowing my mind about this. I absolutely don't know, you know, but it's just... Yeah, I yeah they're they're just a very incredibly intelligent group of people. I think I would imagine that they would have someone high up on a different plateau who was watching. Maybe I don't. You know what I mean? But how, how would they even get up that high? Oh well, they were. I don't know. They're quite agile. Like when you know what I mean. Like when we were doing the Inca Trail, and I was like struggling for breath with each and every step that I took. There was a porter who was running ahead of me, carrying fifty kilos on his back, like not bothered to him. <laughs> okay, ancient Peruvians, creators of parkour. 
There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm desperately there, like munching away on coca leaves, like to try and get the air to my lungs because the altitude is just killing me. <laughs> like, I thought I was going to be the literal dead, bo- dead woman embodiment on Dead Woman's Pass. Gotcha. Doing your bit, I suppose. Doing my bit. <laughs> there I am with my little backpack, like, this is really difficult, guys. <laughs> and the altitude and everything. Oh, God. Yeah, it's great. It is great. You, you acclimatize to it eventually. But uh, I suppose when they're born into it, um, you know what I mean? And even be like, obviously, the porters there are incredible, but ancient Nazca Indians and ancient Peruvians and stuff like that, their only way of traveling between like Peru, Bolivia, all those countries was on foot. Like, do you know what I mean? So just incredible. Absolutely. So Obviously, throughout numerous decades, researchers have tried to decipher the meaning behind the lines. So many believe that the connections are literally out of this world. So a U.S. scholar by the name of Paul Cossack tried to find a connection between the lines and the stars. So he basically said it was to do with astrology and star patterns. And they were trying to they were taking what they saw in the sky and putting it on the ground. Oh, mm. Yeah. So others then believe that Nazca Indians created them as a form of worship to the gods and linked to the natural world and successful harvest. And I am now staking my claim midway through this, that this is fully what I believe is the theory. Okay. And the reason I believe this is, again, because like I went there and I have like a very basic knowledge of it. They were big on before they were like uh, colonized and stuff by the Spanish. They were very big on... Um, like like that the natural world and so I think they're predominantly a Catholic country now but I know a lot of them would still follow the old religion and if you see like an Incan cross it's kind of like a square squatted kind of cross shape and each section of the cross is like a different connection to the natural world so they were big believers and followers of like Pachamama which is mother nature okay so this is like a giant form of a temple in your opinion I think so. I think they. this is where they went to do offerings for Good Harvest for the year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But this is where the bit comes that a van's going to absolutely love and I just don't want to <laughs> buy at all. I'm so van, ready. <laughs> a van. Many believe it wasn't the Nazca Indians at all, but in fact, your friends, aliens. Case closed. Absolutely. <laughs> throw your temple idea out the window it was aliens yeah i love the way you're just like you are your man from the history channel just aliens. <laughs> he's my goal he's my role model it explains everything oh, come here if the hairdressers don't open up anytime soon <laughs> you might you might get there a little bit i'm actually close enough yeah because exactly. i'm starting to feel i look like him as well <laughs> 700 days into this lockdown yeah. and that many cups of coffee i definitely already have his eyes <laughs> just uh, yeah the alien. she's got alien eyes <laughs> as opposed to benny davis's but you know <laughs> how are you gonna bring me back to the idea of it being a place of worship karen because i was in the bleeding country <laughs> like, it was that not enough for you <laughs> I don't know now. <laughs> Spent a good 12 days getting tours by like locals. <laughs> yeah, and I bet they were, they just t- could tell you weren't a believer. They were like, we'll <laughs> save the alien stuff till Ivan gets here. <laughs> They'll know. Yeah, yeah. 
absolutely <laughs> so Aaron von Dangen then he wrote a book in 1968 and he put the putting forth the idea that the lions represented a landing strip for aliens <laughs> wait it's a very intricate landing strip <laughs> uh, well you have to see some of the photos because some like like what kind of a landing strip are you thinking of <laughs> yeah we're just pulling into earth now let's get along for about 30 miles and uh bump our way into a turn there that's it's like, a chaotic it's like, landing you know when you get like a, a landing in a Ryanair flight and you're like three days away from the actual airport yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll just bounce from somewhere in swords right down to Dublin airport like anywhere, like if anyone's ever flown with them to Paris, Beauvais, and you just feel like you're landing in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> I'm I imagine for hours. <laughs> I imagine if the aliens landed, which they didn't, that's where you know that's where they'd end up, like the 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 Ryanair landing strip of things. Yeah, <laughs> you got to cut corners somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. So again, French authors then Louis Powell and Jacques Berger wrote the book The Morning of the Magicians and they claimed that the lions were created by other beings even thousands of years before the Nazca Indians like so dating back to prehistoric times. So that these the, these these lions might actually predate the Incas. I, I don't think they do, but some people do, yes. Ah, Karen, how can you not believe them? They're French. <laughs> that's exactly why I don't believe them <laughs> okay yeah no I don't know but I'm laying it all out for people to make their own decisions but Ivan has already very clearly made up her mind so again some believe that these aliens came to earth to have secret meetings with world leaders and they used the area in Nazca to land their aircrafts went off and had their meetings in secret obviously and then they just left again <laughs> totally now Oh, oh, thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks for the snacks. Yeah. You know. <laughs> do you do we do you want to fax the minutes or do you have a do you have a fax? You don't have a fax yet that hasn't been invented, right? <laughs> when okay. you do, it's gonna be great for about You're, 10 years. Change your life. <laughs> so again, they're not so more and more of these lines are actually being discovered as well, which may or may not help this alien theory. I don't know. <laughs> So as recently as 2019, um, they found more lines. Um, so some experts believe that they might have been used to map the territory of the Nazca uh, region in the Andes and provide guidance to travellers who might have seen them from faraway mountains, which is, again, very plausible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems more functional. But bring me to through the whole them being found is, is the idea that aliens are still putting them there. I don't know whether that is the case. I don't know how recent they were, but they were found really recently, but I don't know how recently they were made. Okay. Mm. So again, the Nazca lines actually cover an area of about 1,000 square kilometers and up to 300 figures had been found. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, it's again, as you said, kind of inconceivable. Like how many people were there making these lines? And how long did it take? That's amazing. I would imagine it took leading ages yeah <laughs> no deadlines just throw them out the window it'll be done when it's done <laughs> uh, it is over when i say it's over <laughs> so the discovery actually of the the recent lines in 2019 was made by scientists in the yamagata university in japan and it's actually important to note that there are strong historical ties between the asian and latin american countries so there you go yeah, nice so, 
some of the newly discovered lines have a humanoid form, which also echo, which also echoes the beliefs of those who believe the truth is out there. Oh yeah, wait, what's the like? They look like humans. They're human shape, yeah, yeah. Like they have a head and arms and legs. Oh yeah, definitely. Aliens <laughs> saw what they saw and remade us. I don't know. So the mysterious lines have been explained away by government then as part of cover-ups. Maybe. Absolutely. It's always the government and aliens. Ivan, I just love how good ho you are on this. <laughs> God, it's can a tough even, crowd this week. <laughs> can you even remember the first bit of my theory or did you just like everything after aliens you were just like, yeah, that's it. Done. Done. My eyes grew like... <laughs> <laughs> like a uh, Jim Carrey in the mask, like oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Sorry, I blacked out there for a second. Go on, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Some believe the extraterrestrials come back regularly, and that's why the lines haven't been erased over the years. They're actually fresh markings. Yeah, seems I don't plausible. Know, <laughs> I don't know that mandatory hotel quarantine is going to get you every time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You know, their little, their little vaccination cards, their little PCR tests. <laughs> so then other theorists believe the lions are actually man-made to, so maybe the Nazca Indians made the lions to attract aliens to the earth, which if that's the case, stop, please stop. We have enough to be worried about. <laughs> Just... Oh, I like this though. This is where our two theories combine, meet in the middle. It's a happy compromise. <sighs> yeah, I just, I'm, I, I'm a little bit, thick of everything so could we not have aliens at the moment <laughs> we don't need any more influencers from other planets exactly a lot of people then much like myself think it's nothing to do with aliens at all and that the ancient nazca indians had developed their own advanced technology so and they also claimed that other peoples from other cultures perhaps other countries had seen it became scared of it and destroyed it before it could be used for sinister purposes. Oh, but does it seem destroyed? Like, are they ruins? See, they've been described as a few different things. They've been described as like geometric shapes, whatever. Other people think they're ancient hieroglyphs. Oh yeah, seems plausible. Like on a massive scale. On a massive, like they're, that's the other thing that they are massive. Like I'd wonder, could you see them from space? You can definitely, you definitely have to be high up to see the proper shapes of them. God, yeah, that'd be a good one. Are they seen from space? Very possibly. Yeah, which only adds fuel to the fire of your theory. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like brushed out under the carpet now. I'm absolutely <laughs> ripping if people believe the alien thing. <laughs> which they will, because I just don't want them to believe it. Yeah, <laughs> we all know we're just a load of trolls. <laughs> so again, well, you know, <laughs> Um the other, the, the, again, these lines are not the only kind of strange markings of their kind that have been found in South America. There is something called the Giant of Atacama, which is an etching of a human on the side of a solitary mountain. Again, so again, I, I'm le- leaning towards the they were ritualistic lines for a bountiful harvest. But I'm also willing to accept that the Nazca Indians could have developed their own advanced technology. Like, have as I said, having spent a, li- a brief time in Peru, they they were incredible people that were able to do loads of different things. You know, the, the way they had coded messages to one another, the way they traveled between countries, you know, um, there's just loads of different 
and even if you travel through the sacred valley and do the inca trail and stuff there's loads of these little like it's almost like a fairy fort or a maze and stuff and like that's where their messengers would meet halfway and stuff like that so it's all very very incredible and i do know as i said the religious thing would be the one that i would buy but that's a personal kind of opinion thing at this point that's an opinion kind of based on eyewitness that's that looking at us that's what you think is most plausible Yes, but in the words of Grandmaster Flash's 1987 hit White Lines, it's something like a phenomenon, baby. <laughs> Grab your body and come along. <laughs> you should do advertisement for Peru. <laughs> I should. Uh, only if they like send me back for free. I would love that. Oh, so, <laughs> Avan, are you going to make like Toto and hold the line on this one? Because love isn't always on time. <laughs> so many quotes so many great so many song quotes, quotes. <laughs> you've given loads of theories there first of all the main thing that you've convinced me of is that i have to go to peru absolutely i would highly recommend it but i believe it or not i'm not gonna jump straight to aliens yes okay <laughs> because like i've talked before about how yes i believe in aliens but i don't believe in accrediting aliens to all the amazing things that ancient civilizations have done. Like we know the Incas were an amazing civilization. Absolutely, yeah. So 100% think they did it. But did they do it to attract aliens? Maybe. I mean, like uh, we've talked before about maybe how other civilizations could have conflated aliens with gods. This is true. Or what if they just did them for their own purposes and aliens happened to see them? Like I'll be willing to give you that much. Oh, yeah, that seems perfectly plausible. Like if you were an alien circling the planet, you'd probably go to That sounds like one of the most impressive things you could see. Yeah, 100%. I'm into it. Let's do that. Let's meet in the middle. Okay, we're compromising. Okay, (laughs) we both believe certain elements. (laughs) Exactly. Fantastic. Thank you, Karen. Thanks very much. No problem. Glad you enjoyed it. That was excellent. And for once, um, our theories actually don't have, I don't think, any um, similar themes this week. Oh, that's kind of sad. Isn't this, but also kind of interesting. It's like a, the biggest change that you could have. Absolutely. For, yeah, for a change. Why not? And what I'm doing this week is I'm taking a little leaf out of your book and I'm going to that sweet spot where conspiracy theories meet true crime. Yes. And I'm looking at the death of Harry Houdini. Oh, I didn't realise there was a mystery surrounding this death. Do you want my little clickbait headline that I just came up with this morning? Please. Right. The death of Harry Houdini, medical mystery or murder by Sherlock Holmes. What? What a grey headline. <laughs> this is a deep dive now. I'm not not like we're talking four pages front and back. So Let's settle in. Let's go. Let's do it. Right. My sources are history.com, BuzzFeed Unsolved, Smithsonian Magazine and Wired.com. Amazing. So we start right back at the start uh, with his early life. So the man who would come to be called Harry Houdini was actually born Eric Weiss in Budapest, Hungary in 1874. He was born to his parents, Rabbi Mayor Samuel Weiss and Cecilia Steiner. 
1978, the family of six, who were Eric, his parents, and at the time his four brothers, he would eventually become one of seven, uh, moved to Wisconsin, America, more specifically to a place called Houdini Square. Aha! Uh-huh. He would later claim that's not the origin of his name but ridiculous that's a barefaced lie where else you've looking at that from yeah exactly. <laughs> come on it's okay to take it from from your origins you don't need to separate yourself real early 20s move there that's how porn stars get their names oh yeah. yeah 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 harry was his first uh the pet i'd say <laughs> nice so life was good the family had settled down and Celia, who was pregnant when they emigrated, eventually gave birth to two more additions to the family. Samuel served as rabbi of the Zion Reformed Jewish Congregation. And in 1882, Eric's father even gained U.S. citizenship, granting the family more security in their new American dream. Nice. But that very same year, things took a turn for the worse when Rabbi Mayor Samuel lost his job at the Zion. So the family moved to Milwaukee and fell into dire poverty. In 1887, Eric and his father moved to New York, where they would stay in a boarding house and search for employment. The rest of the family had arranged to join them once they secured more stable housing. So Eric took many jobs during this time, but it was this year that his unusual career began when he took a job as a trapeze artist, rebranding himself Eric, the Prince of the Air. That's pretty cool, not going to lie. Yeah, you should have stuck with that. It doesn't roll off the tongue, though. It's not very tight. Yeah. Huh? Hey. Hey. Bit ropey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like our jokes, a yeah. bit ropey. <laughs> now, this is the kickstart his magical slash general showbiz career. Having been in showbiz for several years, Eric then began his magic career in 1891, rebranding yet again, this time as Harry Houdini. He claimed he named himself after the French magician Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin, adding the I as he incorrectly believed that adding one I to the end of a word uh, meant like, which I don't know where he got that incorrectness. That's ridiculous, Nisi. Yeah. <laughs> <It'd> be... <laughs> like if sorry you w- wanted to be like me you couldn't just be Ivani you could if you want even if he wanted to <laughs> <laughs> I've never gotten that one before and I hope You're I never setting them up and I'm knocking them down <laughs> so he claims that the first part of his new name Harry was an homage to Harry Ka- Harry Keller who he also admired, but it was more likely just adopted from the name Eri, E-H-R-I, which was a nickname for Eric and how he was known to his family. So again, just don't shy away from your family nicknames. Yeah, true. So Houdini performed at dime museums and sideshows and even had a side hustle as the wild man in a circus. Mm, what did so, he do as the wild man? So the wild man was this... Um, was this side act that they used to have in circuses as he came in it would just be a man that was in a cage and he'd jump and like scream at kids and try to frighten people and it was kind of 
the idea was that it was like a feral man found in the wild and kept in a cage. But it could just be any old bloke in a cage. So much like some of the people that were out about yesterday. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they all would have worked quite well in this. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> it would have been too real. Work being the optimum work there. Hey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so Houdini would later be regarded by professional magicians as competent and skilled, but ultimately lacking the grace and finesse to blow audiences away. Oh, so he's not like Cardi B out here dripping in finesse. Exactly, exactly yeah. He's like, as Nicki Minaj used to say, choose two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it wasn't all bad, and life in showbiz led to romance in 1884 when performing with his brother Dash at the Coney Island as the brothers Houdini. Houdini met fellow performer Wilhelmina Beatrice Bess Rayner, and Bess was so a- many names. <laughs> she just went by Bess, and I'll never refer to her as her full name again. Because <laughs> it's going to take you about an hour. It's <laughs> way too many. <laughs> so, in a, a juicy little move, she was initially courted by Dash, but she and Houdini married. And to add insult to injury, Bess replaced Dash in the act and just became known as the Houdinis. He was dashed out. Oh, oh. oh yeah. <laughs> couldn't escape that one. Ah, no, he no, couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's not all bad because for the rest of Houdini's career, Bess worked as his stage assistant, which is nice. Mm, cute. Well, his look really took off in 1899 when he met the manager, Martin Beck. And Beck was impressed by Houdini's handcuff trick and suggested he focus on escape acts and subsequently booked him on the Orpheum vaudeville circus. His show ultimately rose to success as he travelled around the world, even performing at Scotland Yard, where he baffled police with his handcuff act. Between 1900 and 1920, he was one of the highest paid entertainers in the world. Oh, wow. For like, what, a dollar? (laughs) <laughs> I, I looked I don't have the stats in front of me but they were pretty high I think it came like it translates into like nine grand a month oh okay that is bank yes it's pretty good going like mm-hmm. and he went from strength to strength in 1908 he left his signature handcuff trick behind because of imitators but this only led him to get more inventive he began escaping from straitjackets from locked milk cans filled with water and even at one point he escaped from the belly of a beached whale what mm. yeah a beached whale on a uh, on, Bo- on boston bay i think it is he just he just climbed in and then he escaped that is bizarre I know, I don't think, I think we all know Harry Houdini, but I don't think we know the extent to how amazing his tricks were. Yeah, I feel like he was a bit of a pop culture icon, like he popped up in movies, you know what I mean? He was mentioned in movies and um, and all that kind of stuff. I know like if you disappear in a night out now, some people say, you, without saying goodbye, I know people say you pull Houdini, which yes. I've done in the past. <laughs> Yeah, whenever anyone gets out of anything, I call them Houdini. Like, it's such an iconic phrase. Yeah, completely. Like, his tricks were so amazing. He's still... So in 1918, right, for example, 
he performed in the Hippodrome Theatre in New York City and he made a 10,000 pound elephant disappear. And to this day, no one has figured out how he did it. That is very impressive. Yeah, to still have tricks that can't be figured out all these centuries later or all these decades later, I suppose. Pretty amazing. So it was around this time that the craze of spiritualism had started to take off, particularly in New York City. So this is psychics, mediums, seances. All the best things. (laughs) This is where you get your Hollywood medium of today. Mm. (laughs) And now you would think that Houdini would approve of or even branch out into this area. After all, it was a very similar vein of macabre entertainment. Yeah. But he actually deplored mediums and dedicated most of the 1920s to debunking this practice. Oh, he's like, he was a little theorist. He was. He definitely would have come on this show and helped us out. (laughs) Very hard to get a hold of, though, I'd say. Oh, I like that. (laughs) So he believed that people came to his own show expecting to be deceived and entertained in the meantime, but that this was not the case for seances, which took advantage of vulnerable people who were grieving. So fair. Yeah, ethical kind of performer. True. And I've heard them as well, like from people like, you know, who go to like mediums and stuff now that um, technically they're not supposed to charge you. Like if they have the gift, you're not supposed to be charged for a reading or a session. I've heard that as well. How did I get around that? They kind of don't let you into the door without a donation or something, is it? No, I mean, I went to one before and I took cash out at the end and she was like, no, no, it's that's not what I was. That's not what this was about. Oh, cool. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to one in the city centre and uh, me and Laura went at the same time and uh, they told Laura that uh, basically men had been falling over themselves for her, which was pretty worrying. And <laughs> she then told us each that we would have a different amount of children. And uh, she well, did. Because obviously you aren't going to marry each other again. <laughs> well she was like she was bloody reading our palms and if she had moved her hand up even a fraction of an inch she would have felt the wedding ring when she was telling us all this stuff so I don't know how real it was now I hope it wasn't Jesus <laughs> just what a what a weird turn that would take for both of you yeah not into that now <laughs> she not at all she'd guess that our car was white I'll give her that much <laughs> that's uh, okay hardly <laughs> impressive straws. but okay yeah yeah <laughs> So Houdini was even a member of the Scientific American Committee and they offered a cash prize to any medium who could successfully successfully demonstrate supernatural abilities and the prize was never successfully claimed. Houdini even talked to attending seances in disguise accompanied by a reporter and a police officer and ultimately exposed some of the most famous mediums in the world. What do you mean when you say seances in the oh in disguise? Sorry, in disguise. Is that what you heard? <laughs> I was like, why would you take a plane with a medium? <laughs> sorry, I'm just like. <laughs> and then he catapults out in a straitjacket. He's still an entertainer. <laughs> I was like, that's really cool. Does he escape from the plane? Sorry, I just had a very very stupid moment there. That's fine. <laughs> edit that out. Edit that out now. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna amplify it if anything. <laughs> Thanks. So this is where we get back to our little 
clickbait headline because his staunch anti-psychic pursuits even caused him to fall out with his good friend, Arthur Conan Doyle. Damn. Doyle was, even though he wrote books about this famous hyper-intelligent skeptic, he was pretty gullible and had fallen hook, line and sinker for this whole movement. That's crazy. Isn't this, he he just in general, I think, like he kind of piled around with, um, oh, who's it, Crowley. So he was really into the dark arts and um, they kind of all flocked to him then. maybe they smoked a bit of opium. Probably, that's probably where he met them, in the dens. So he even went a bit more back crazy in that he believed that Houdini was a powerful spiritualist medium himself and performed loads of his stunts through paranormal abilities. So he was using these abilities to block other mediums rather than debunking them. Hmm. That he basically wants to wipe out all of the uh, competition. That's That's kind of, yeah, I was going to say that is quite plausible though, isn't it? When you put it like that. Well, if you're in the mindset where you believe in mediums, definitely. I'd say it is very believable. And he declared Houdini a dangerous enemy, presumably to the medium community. Right. Okay. Yeah. He certainly was a dangerous enemy to anybody trying to make a quick book off mourners because in 1926, he even testified in front of Congress in support of a bill to outlaw fortune telling in Washington, D.C., damn oh yeah he was taking this the whole way like literally to the top literally to the top and literally to the grave oh because houdini and his wife bess even promised to continue this mission after death so Mm. here is what they used what they agreed on if one of them died first and was able to communicate from beyond the grave they were to tell the other the code Rosabel believe through a medium Rosabel after their favorite song which is something we should totally try so yeah let's just take it for granted looking at age gap and uh smoking and all the rest that I'll die first and <laughs> age gap there's like two years between <laughs> us but okay they're gonna matter when we're hurtling off this mortal coil <laughs> <laughs> okay and uh they went with Rosabelle Believe. Let's go with Maniac 2000 Believe. Yes, Maniac 2000 Believe. <laughs> she was a sexy lady. She had to get her thrills. <laughs> and you can bet your bottom dollar when I give a eulogy at your funeral, they're going to say that. Oh, d- <laughs> Some will under... Uh, I bet you they'll all just break out into us. There'll be glow sticks at the ready. It, I, I'm going to hand them out on the way in. What are you talking about? <laughs> We're taking this to the rave. <laughs> From grave to rave. Uh, I'm a rave digger. Love us. <laughs> so she held good on this promise, right? Mm. After his death, Bess held a seance in his honor on Halloween. I love how on point she is with her themes. Uh, oh, e- fab. Yeah, so good. Every year for 10 years. But no psychic obviously ever managed to relay relay the code. Yeah, fair. And 
they were I know he initially nicked her off his brother but they were a really lovely couple so after the uns, the last unsuccessful seance on the roof of the Knickerbocker Hotel Bess, oh, amazing what a name yeah <laughs> just the giant Sunday uh, Bess extinguished a candle that she had kept lit beside a photo of her husband since his death 10 years before and she announced 10 years is long enough to wait for any man Woof, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you run the world, girls. <laughs> what a woman, yeah. What a woman. <laughs> so now we'll move on to his actual death. Okay. So the events that led to Houdini's death actually began in October 1926. And I say events because I don't know what you know about his death, but I kind of went into this thinking it was like, hey, presto poncho. Yeah, I didn't know much about it, to be honest. I wasn't sure if there was any mystery shrouding it. Yeah, it always seems like, oh, he just got punched in the gut and that was the end. Um, But there does seem to be a lot before and after. So it's... It starts with a show first. So he was shackled to a Chinese water torture cell, as you do, during a performance in Albany, New York when he was struck by on the leg by a piece of faulty equi- equipment, which ultimately fractured his ankle. But against doctor's orders, he continued to travel for work, touring his show and even giving a lecture at McGill University in Montreal. Oh, no. So he, yeah, a serious believer in the show must go on. So a few days after this lecture, on October 22nd, he invited the students from this lecture to visit him in his dressing room at the Princess Theatre. Which kind of a weird move, but maybe it was just a kind of ego moment. Um, I don't know. Now, due to his injury, he was propped up on a couch while he spoke to the students. When seemingly out of the blue, the student J. Gordon Whitehead arrived and asked Houdini... First of all, if he believed in the miracles of the Bible, and secondly, if it was true that he could resist hard punches to to his abdomen, which is a claim that the magician had supposedly made in public. Oh, this I had heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd heard that all right, that he had like a rock hard stomach or something. Yeah, this is a big part of Houdini is A, really good at escaping stuff and B, really ripped. That's all he needs in life. (laughs) that'll get get you in and out of anything you need to get in or out of exactly (laughs) and like again this is like I never thought that this was that weird I even to be honest think a lot of college age boys in this day and age probably would have the same reaction to someone being really ripped be like oh can I just punch you and see what happens I think absolutely yeah, it's, it's like, it's really stupid, but it is a boy thing. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, totally, you're just like, oh, hit me in the stomach, punch me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing planks, go on, give me a go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but so that's not exactly how it went down, right? Okay. So what I always thought was Houdini went, absolutely, geared himself up, tensed, and your man gave him the punch, and maybe it was a bit harder than he had expected. But... What actually happened, according to eyewitness accounts, is that Houdini casually replied that his stomach could endure a loss. 
And as soon as he said the rumours were true, Whitehead abruptly delivered what the eyewitness Sam Smilovich described as four or five terribly forceful, deliberate, well-directed blows to Houdini's stomach. Hmm. Now, because of his ankle injury, Houdini hadn't even been able to sit up and brace himself in preparation. Yeah. So Whitehead hadn't even gone, can I give it a go? He'd asked if it was true, wandered over and just absolutely started pummeling the bejesus out of this man who was propped up on a couch with an injury. Mm, But if his stomach is that strong. It should be able to take it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, isn't there a whole, like, there's a lot of work you have to do beforehand for your stomach to take anything. Because it's not just your stomach, it's your spine and everything. No, that's fair. Like, lying down, like, I imagine any shots that he had taken prior to this would have been done standing up. As you said, though, yeah, because of the spine and the posture and all that kind of stuff would play a role in it. And there's there's a whole lot. Every single article, this is what I love, described how he had been unable to sit up embrace himself in preparation for the blows and I love that it provides all these explanations as if anybody ever needs an excuse to ask somebody to stop punching them in the gut unprovoked (laughs) fair yeah Uh, could you not thanks (laughs) so he actually who knows how long he would have continued in the end Houdini kind of feebly gestured to please stop I haven't prepared Mm. for these punches fair but (laughs) just can you not touch me at all thanks very much that'd be great thank you so much (laughs) so again we're back to how Houdini reacted to his ankle fracture he continued to be in consistent great pain for two days straight couldn't sleep pain was consistent but did not seek medical health help no yeah Classic stubborn. But when he finally saw a doctor, he found that he had a fever of 102 Fahrenheit and acute appendicitis and was advised to have immediate sur- surgery. Hmm. But he ignored the advice uh. and decided to go on with the show, both literally and figuratively, because he arrived in Detroit, Michigan on October 24th, 1926, for what would be his last performance. That's sad. At this point, he had a fever of 104 degrees, which is 40 Celsius. And despite the diagnosis, Houdini took the stage. He was reported to have passed out during the show, but was revived and continued. And then afterwards was hospitalized at Detroit's Grace Hospital. How great was it, though, if they didn't keep him alive? <laughs> not so great hospital. Detroit's <laughs> not so great hospital, yeah. <laughs> so it's unclear whether the dressing room instance had caused Houdini's eventual death. But after taking statements from Price, who was another witness in the dressing room, and Smilovitz, the man whose quotes we had heard earlier, Houdini's insurance company concluded that the death was due to the dressing room incident. Oh, dear. So all of it fairly ropey, lots of different absolute physical trauma leading up to his death there, including a fever. 
So at the time, the cause of death was widely accepted by doctors to be what they called traumatic appendicitis that was caused by Whitehead's attack. Okay. But since we, since then, we have actually discovered that cases of traumatic appendicitis are extraordinarily rare. Oh, okay. So for that reason, Karen, I ask you, was Houdini actually assassinated by the spiritualists that he had made enemies of during the last half decade of his life? I maybe like was your man was your man there at the lecture like by chance you know what I mean like or did he was he like studying at the like at the college that Houdini happened to be speaking at because if it's a case of like just by chance he was like there do you know what I mean when Houdini was there and then went to the thing afterwards I'd say yeah maybe maybe he got the idea after he saw Houdini speak very so there's two branches of how people thought he was assassinated right one is that he was poisoned now this actually seems quite plausible because organized crime was massive in 1920s america as we know prohibition Mm -hmm. the depression it all led to this but it was so big there was a large contingency of fraudulent psychics who had a history of poisoning their enemies. Oh, no way. Yeah. And there's a number of reasons that make this plausible, including a strange interaction with a doctor at Grace Hospital. So for reasons never fully explained, he injected an unknown experimental serum into Houdini. (gasps) Oh, no. And another thing that makes this possible is something that has come up with deaths for us a lot is that there was never an autopsy performed on the body. And if there was so much speculation around the cause of his death, why no autopsy? So how do you know it was acute appendicitis? Exactly. Why would you jump to that straight away? Even more bizarrely, it noted the appendix being on the left side rather than on his right. Hmm, that is bizarre. To me, that sounds like it was rushed as a reasoning for the punch being the cause of death yeah i think so his death certificate was even written long after he was buried days after he was buried yeah ah uh, well then and come here was your man that punched him ever like prosecuted or arrested around he doesn't seem to have been so that's why i think he's also considered that he was possibly stalking him for days so to me it's i'd marry the two theories and say that he was probably a plan b for the psychics because first it seems like such a normal stupid boy interaction at first but when you read about the actual details of us why punch houdini so unexpectedly if he wanted a display of houdini's core strength why the need for continuous strikes and what was the reason for the out-of-context remark about the Bible? Yeah, that was bizarre. And other than that, doesn't seem to be a lot known about Whitehead, apart from the fact that he's got a horrible surname. But he just seems to have been a stable, very normal student otherwise. But yeah, I'd, I'd say either he was put up to it or he was just like, got his, got his own kind of ideas about it. Yeah, very possibly, especially 
the Bible, maybe he had some of his own ideas, as you say, about spiritualism and about this threat to spiritualism. Because I'm telling you now, that Bible is real, like, open to interpretation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you want to take something nasty from us, it's, it's there for you if you want it. And yeah, people just take the worst bits from it the whole time. Absolutely. Ab- yeah. There's some cool Christians who read it and, and stick on the don't judge and all that. And then there's some weird factions. Yeah, absolutely. And the, it's a mysterious death though, for sure. Like, Well, the other thing is, and it, it's sorry, it's the only, it's the last bit I'm going to give you is that he's been getting death threats for years from the oh. spiritualist community. Yeah. Okay. Well then, yes, he was murdered. Come on now. And why do I pin it on Arthur Conan Doyle? Yeah. Because he was hell-bent on revenge after a very public and humiliating falling out. He wrote a public letter in 1924 that said Houdini would get his just desserts very exactly meted out. I think there is a general payday coming soon. Oof. That's some mean girls burn book. Yeah. <laughs> revenge type thing. <laughs> It's the original passive aggressive tweet. Uh, just, just going through some stuff right now on your Facebook <laughs> status. I wonder if Crowley wrote a "You okay, hon?" under us. And then Arthur Cornwall write to me hitherto. Yeah, <laughs> in mine personal messages. <laughs> so I feel like I've gotten your answer already. But what do you think, Karen? Yeah, I think he was. It was a setup. It was a pure setup completely yeah everything seems to point to that and he god knows he had enough enemies yeah absolutely he uh he couldn't escape death oh sad very sad still a great pun thank you it's a great (laughs) one though Ivan. i love that that was deadly i love an out deep dive even though i can't swim (laughs) but we'll get into that again but uh thanks very much (laughs) And thank you to everyone who listened and remained patient during our technical difficulties last week. It seems that we've ironed them out. Hopefully. Touch wood for now. Uh, If you enjoyed us, let us know. Vote in polls. Like, subscribe, follow on all of the platforms we're on. We're on Spotify, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Casts, uh, Apple Podcasts and Anchor. And yep. you can write to us at the conspiracy theory test at gmail.com. You can find everything on the conspiracy theory test.com, or you can get us at conspiracy theory test on Instagram or at conspiracy test on Twitter. So we're very reachable. Do reach out and let us know. What <laughs> yeah, you there's think. no excuses there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, enjoy the nice weather while it lasts. Uh, stay safe and well. It's not ideal or where we want to be, but it's where we're at and we just have to keep going. So look after yourselves and everybody around you and uh, yeah, enjoy yourself when you can. Thanks everybody. See you soon. See you later, guys.